We can rise to the occasion. We can build this nation moving forward. All that we need, visionary leadership, people who love their people, people who love the citizens, people who love the country, and then we can rise. We can fly again. Hope Restoration Ministries, restoring hope to our world. Welcome to our broadcast. Enjoy. Tonight we need you, Lord. God, we declare that apart from you, Lord, we can do nothing. God, we know your presence is here, Lord. So God, we ask now, Lord, that you would pour your spirit out upon this group of men tonight. God, I pray now that your spirit would come, touch every life, every man. Father, I declare now, Lord, that your spirit would move across this room, Lord. God, we can't make it happen, but you can, Lord. God, I pray now that you would breathe upon your men tonight, that you would breathe from the front of this room to the back of this room, Lord, from the left to the right, Lord, that your spirit would come, Lord, and touch every man. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. There's no place, there's no place like the house of God. In fact, the Bible teaches us right in the beginning where God first made a place for His name to be worshipped. Is that when a man or a woman would come into the temple of God, they would come in on one side and they would leave a different side telling us that we come into God's presence one way and we leave different in Jesus name and tonight I believe that God is working and it's such an honor and a privilege for me to be here with so many of the people of God in this room tonight and I want to honor Pastor Chris and Pastor Pindi so much I love Pastor Chris I love Pastor Pindi they, I really believe that we are brothers and sisters. And uh, I'm just so grateful, so grateful for the work Pastor Chris and Pindi are doing, not just over here, but throughout South Africa and even reaching beyond Africa. Pastor Chris is a man of honor. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of generosity. And he's a man who makes a difference. And Pastor Chris, I, I thank God for you. I thank God for your life. I thank God for your purpose. And I thank God that you're changing this nation. We need to pray for your pastor. Your pastor is an incredible man of God. Before you clap, before you clap, you need to know this. What you honor is what you receive. If you want his anointing, if you want his blessing, you need to honor him. Can we give him some honor tonight? And and just thank God for who He is. I, I want to ask you to remain standing. And there's something about a man's praise. I mean, a woman can talk. But there's something about a man's praise. When a man praises, he tells the enemy, I am here. When a man praises, he tells the enemy, you haven't taken me out. When a man doesn't praise, the enemy thinks he's got victory. 
But when a man rises up and he starts to praise his king and starts to lift up his voice and lift up a shout of praise, he declares to the enemy, here I am and God is with me. Is there any praise in the house tonight for our king? Nature is an incredible thing that God gives us. There's so many lessons about nature that we can learn in our own life, in our spiritual walk. And in nature, there's this, this thing that happens, and it's incredible, is that the lioness will go out and she will go and hunt. And she will kill her prey. But there's a reality that even though she's top of the food chain, she still has an enemy. Have you ever noticed that when a lion kills her prey, while they're there busy eating their inheritance for the moment, is that there's this other creature called a hyena. And the hyena, you ever seen it? They're busy eating and the hyena's always trying to yap and take what's her possession. And even though she's top of the food chain, there's not much she can do about the hyena. She can raise her paw and she can raise her voice. But the hyena is capable of stealing what she's possessed. But there is something that even though the hyenas are encamped around that carcass and the prey that this lion, this lioness has captured for the, the pride, there's only one thing that can get rid of the hyena. My daughter, you know what to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? It's when he comes through the bush and the alpha male, the leader of the tribe, opens his mouth. He doesn't have to wave his hands. He doesn't have to stamp his feet. All he has to do is roar. And when he gets his roar going, when he roars, he says to the enemy, here I am. This is my territory. This is my pride. This is my possession. When he roars, the hyena doesn't look to negotiate, doesn't look to fight back. The hyena, I want to encourage us tonight. There are some men that God says, I'm bringing back your roar. There's some men that God is saying, it's time for you to start roaring. You've got an inheritance. You've got a possession. But there is an enemy who's yapping, who's coming, who's trying to steal. And God says, if you would lift up your voice with the shout of praise, and you would lift up my name, I will give you the victory. Can we give him some praise? When the lion roars, he's saying, you can't steal what belongs to me. The boldness of the lion is rooted in his identity. He knows who he is. The boldness of a man of God is rooted in the fact 
that he serves the lion of the tribe of Judah. The boldness of a man is rooted in his identity. And when you live with this identity of knowing that I'm rooted in Jesus, that my life now becomes unshakable and undefeatable because of my King. Man, I wanna encourage you tonight. I wanna encourage you. We have an enemy who's walking through our land. An enemy that's stealing this nation, trying to divide our families, trying to destroy marriages, trying to corrupt our children, trying to take over in the financial and the market sector. And it's time for us as men of God to say, no enemy, we have a roar. We, we know who we are. This is our land. This is our possession that God has given us. I wanna encourage us men, I declare to you tonight that your roar is coming back. Can I tell you right now, we may be wearing suits and we may look smooth on the outside and look so slick that we can go uphill. But I'm telling you on the inside is the spirit of a lion that's waiting to be unleashed and defeat the enemy in Jesus' name. I declare it. A nation has been entrusted to the hands of God's people. A nation has been entrusted to the men of God, and our families, our children, our businesses. God has entrusted to us. And men, it's time to rise up. It's time to stand up. You are not alone. For there are more for you than those that are against you. You are not doing this on your own. God is with you. It's time for us to rise up, stand up and declare, on my watch, you will not take our position in Jesus' mighty name. I declare it over your life in Jesus' name. And maybe tonight, I wanna encourage you, you might be feeling discouraged. You might be feeling down, disappointed. I want you to know the reason you're in this room tonight is because God is not finished with you. People may be finished with you. You may think life is finished with you, but God is not finished with you. You are a champion. You are, you are created to conquer in Jesus' name. I wanna pray for us tonight, but before I do that, I wanna tell you a story about my life. When I was in grade seven, which would be standard five. Let's give me my age away now. I remember it so clearly in grade seven, I, I wanted to be a prefect so badly in my school. Anybody ever wanted to be a prefect? Like I really wanted to be a prefect. I believed that I was a leader. And I, and I, I just like, it was coming up for prefect announcement day. And I remember so clearly the day that we had assembly, my teacher said to me, Donovan, I need you to sit in front of the hall today. And I'm thinking, maybe God, you're gonna answer my prayer. And I remember sitting in the room and as the principal got up, he started to announce the names of the prefects that were gonna lead the school the next year. And as he's announcing names, my, my heart is beating with expectation and excitement. And, and he's going through the names and, and, and there's only 12 prefects and I see 11 on the stage and I'm thinking, Lord, they saved the best for last. And, and, the, and, the, and the principal calls out the next name. And it wasn't me. And in that moment, I felt disappointed. In that moment, I felt so empty. In that moment, I felt 
overlooked and rejected. And I thought, they didn't see what I believe. They, they, didn't, they didn't think that I was going to, I'm a good leader. And I had all of these emotions going through me in that moment. There's some men in the room tonight, you have those same thoughts about your life that I had in that moment. You feel disappointed. You feel like you're overlooked. You feel like you've been rejected. You feel like your life doesn't really count. And people don't see in you what deep down you believe what God has placed in you. And as a result, you've lost passion. As a result, you've withdrawn. And with the result, you've started to believe the voices that have stolen your destiny. But I'm here to tell you tonight that you have a Father in heaven and He said, I called you by name. That before the foundations of the earth were even established, I knew you and now I've chosen you. And tonight I wanna pray for us men tonight that before we get into the Word that we're gonna experience God do something incredible in our hearts tonight. Can we raise our hands, men, as we pray? God, we've come to you in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ the name that is above every other name. And God, we look to you tonight. We don't look to our own ability, Lord. And God, I pray that every man in this room, Lord, you've chosen, you've called, and you've set apart. I pray now your Holy Spirit would work, your Holy Spirit would move, and your Holy Spirit would touch lives. Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you take your seat, why don't you elbow somebody next to you, high five somebody, chicken wing them on your way down. Tell them it's good to be with you in God's house. Tell them that Orlando Pirates is still God's team. I come in peace, brother. I come in peace, but I tell you truth. Uh, this is such a privilege to be here. I want to introduce you to my beautiful family. I'm married uh, to my wife. 2001, we got married. 21 years, we celebrated this year. I, oh, that's a bit blurry, that picture. But I have two beautiful daughters named Hannah, Mia. One is 17 years old. The other one is turning 15 in January. So grateful to God. And as a family together, we build the house of the Lord. That's our purpose. We don't do it as a part-time thing. It's what we talk about at dinner. It's what we talk about on the bed. It's what we talk about when we wake up. It's just insane. But they are an incredible blessing, and I'm so grateful to God for them. My daughters are amazing. My eldest daughter is involved in the worship team, plays piano. My other daughter is in disciple land, teaching children, and I'm so grateful. And I'm so happy that we live in a new South Africa. Anybody so grateful for a new South Africa? And one of the things, Pastor Chris, I'm so happy about is that because we're in a new South Africa and I have two daughters, I'm qualified for Lebola. Come on. I reckon those two girls are gonna get me a lot of cows. Tonight I wanna, I wanna talk to us about the mind of a, of a kingsman. The mind of a kingsman, the mind of a kingsman is a man who carries the mind of Christ. 
is a man that carries and understands the things of God. It's a man who, who makes himself available to, to what God has for his life. Uh, to have the mind of Christ means that we all in this room have access to it. But not everybody takes up that opportunity. But a kingsman, the mind of a kingsman, draws from the ultimate king and has the mind of Christ. And I want to talk about tonight eight characteristics of a, the mind of a kingsman. And the first one is this, is that the first characteristic of a, a man who has the mind of a kingsman is that a mind of a kingsman is a man who knows his identity. He's not confused about who he is, where he is, and what he's supposed to do. Uh, if you have noticed, if you're reading news, that our world is living in an identity crisis. That our world is in a, a crisis when it comes to what needs to be done, who needs to do it, and when it needs to be done. We're living in a, a world where, where there's, there's a crisis around identity, there's an identity crisis around uh, gender. That what am I? There's a crisis around beliefs and, and value systems. There's a crisis around the truth. And a man who has the mind of a kingsman knows his identity. He knows who God has called him to be. Genesis, it says this, chapter 1, it says, Then God said, this is what God said, not the, the mainstream media. This is what God said. This is not what somebody who has two million followers said. Or has the biggest TV show in South Africa. This is not what everybody thinks I want to be a aspire to said. This is what God said. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. God said, let us make man in, in our image and our likeness. Let us make man to look like us, but not just look like us, but to be like us. Let, let us create a group of men and women that would walk this planet that would look like we are. That there would be men and women that would walk in authority. That men and women that would increase and, and they would populate and, and they would be proactive and, and they would be able to build and, and they would able to, to make a success, not destroy, take, corrupt. Let us make men in our likeness and our image. How did God make us? We're made in His image, in His likeness. Why did God make us? He made us to be fruitful and to increase and to subdue the earth, to have and live in authority. It's interesting to know that in biblical days when, when people would read this scripture and know this understanding that God created things, is that they would never look at something as created as being an object or a material possession. Everything God made and created, they would see as purpose and function. God made you for purpose and function. You don't just exist. 
God created you and I to make a difference. Why did he make us? To be fruitful and multiply. But can I tell you, when God makes something, the enemy comes in. When God made you and I, and every time God makes a move, the enemy comes in to make a move. And when the enemy comes to make a move, he tries to break down what God has done. And then we get this picture in our mind that there's this great cosmic chess game that's going on between God and Satan. And every time God makes a move, then, then Satan tries to take out whatever God has moved. And, and then God reacts and he responds and, and he makes another move. Can I tell you, my brothers, it is not like that. The king has defeated the enemy. The king has defeated the enemy. When the devil came into the garden, he came and he stole by subduing men, by subduing the authority. And even though he stole, God had a plan. And the battle was declared in Genesis chapter 3, and the victory was foretold in that scripture. But even though Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and he defeated the enemy, there are men today, and specifically God's men, instead of, being, instead of subduing, they are being subdued. And, and sometimes the enemy subdues us and we become passive. And we, what happens is we become passive. We, it simply means that we don't step up to take our role and our responsibility and look after what God has entrusted to us. Sometimes the enemy subdues us and, and he works in the opposite way. And, and, and so he makes us more, uh, what I would say, overly aggressive. As men, and so now we have the power and we have the authority and, and we use that power and that authority uh, to, for our own gain and, 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 and we end up hurting people within that. But God didn't call us to be overly aggressive and to be passive. And for those who are passive and lost their courage, tonight you're getting your roar back. You're getting your roar back for those my brothers, you have overstepped the line and you've seen, you know that maybe you're a little bit aggressive or you're, you're a little bit mm, just overusing that strength that God has given you. Tonight, I'm trusting that you will know the true authority that God has placed on your life and you have the authority that you have in Christ and the authority that's been given to you is not for you, but it's for you to serve those that are around you. And today I wanna read, tonight I wanna read a passage from the book of Ruth and many of us know the story about Ruth and Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi and Naomi and her daughter-in-law and husband and everybody's living in another land and unfortunately Ruth's husband dies, Naomi's husband dies and so Naomi makes a decision that she's going to go back to her own land and as she goes back to her own land, Ruth says, I'm coming with you. And she says, no, no, you're not coming with me. You need to stay here. You're still young. You need to make a line. And Ruth insists. And she says, no, no, I'm going with you. And she says, wherever you go, I'll go. Whoever your people will be my people. Whoever's your God will be my God. And so Ruth stakes with her and goes to back with Naomi to her homeland. And in the land is a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz is a godly man. He's an upright man. And at the end of the story, we know, for many of us, we know it that that Ruth ends up marrying Boaz. And so I wanna read the story. It's a bit of a passage, so just follow on with me. It says, now there was a wealthy and an influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative 
of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and, and greeted the harvesters. And the Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. And then Boaz asked his foreman, Boaz asked his foreman, who, who's that young woman? Who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, no, she's just a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. And she asked me this morning if she could gra gather grain behind the harvesters. And she, she has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. And Boaz went over, to, uh, over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you, you gather grain. Don't go any, uh, to any other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. And I've warned the young men not to treat you roughly. That's a message right there. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to water they have drawn from the well. And Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Mealtime, Boaz called her and he said, come over here and help yourself to some food. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. And she ate all she wanted and still had some left over. And when Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young man. Come on, how many of you know men, we have to be ordered sometimes. Let her gather grain. Don't oppress her. Don't hold her back. Let her gather some grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. And pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. <laughs> That's mine. I worked for it. No, no, no. The mind of a kingsman is always looking at those that are following him. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. There's so much that we learn from this passage. And one of the things we learn is that that Boaz is a wealthy, influential businessman. Tells us how he runs his business and all of the workers and everything that's entrusted and that he has an ongoing concern. And so when we look at a mind of a kingsman, the next point I want to talk about is that a, a mind of a kingsman is, is simply a man who is industrious and hardworking. He's, he's industrious and hardworking. He, does, he doesn't just show up and, and look at everything that's happening. He, he actually goes to work. He actually works the field that has been trusted to him. And it's incredible because Boaz is known as a kingsman redeemer. And a kingsman redeemer, the definition of that is, it's a male relative who had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need. Can I say this, man? There are many roles that a woman fulfills in the Bible. And there's many roles that a woman can fulfill on this earth. But there's one role in the Bible that's only reserved for a man. And that's the role of a kingsman redeemer. And what is a kingsman redeemer? It's somebody who takes on the responsibility of looking after and helping those that are in trouble. Those that are, are helping those that are in danger or need. A kingsman is an industrious and hardworking man. It says that Boaz, even though he was wealthy, he was a hardworking man. We live in a generation that is teaching us, our culture is teaching us that 
you need to do as little as you can to get as much as you can. We live in a culture that teaches us, work now, make as much money as you can so that for the rest of your life you can sit down and do nothing. We don't read that anywhere in Scripture. The mind of a kingsman is industrious. He's hardworking. Industrious means somebody who seeks for the place where he stays to be prosperous. He works to make sure that what is entrusted to him is not just financially prosperous, but emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. Boaz was not just hardworking, he was industrious. Can I just tell you right now, and any upright man in the room will tell you this, that to become successful takes a lifetime. It doesn't happen overnight. Lasting success means you wake up every day and you give it your best and you walk in integrity and you do what's been trusted to you. And when you keep doing that, when you're faithful with doing what God has entrusted to you, God starts to bless you. He starts to increase you. This church didn't start like this. It took Sunday morning in winter, Sunday morning in the rain, then in Monday to Friday, prayer, fasting, phoning, seeking, believing, hard work, arguments. Nothing gets built by accident. It takes time, hard working. I wanna encourage us. There's no quick reach scheme in the kingdom of God. You gotta work hard. You gotta put your hand to the plow. You gotta apply yourself. The mind of a kingsman is not scared of work. I've been working for 31 years. And I promise you in the 31 years that I've worked, success hasn't come easy. My daughters and I, we were walking with my wife through our neighborhood. And my daughter said to my wife and I, and she said, you know what, when I'm finished school, I wanna build a house like you, dad. I'm like, baby, you got no clue. You have no clue. Everything we have has taken 31 years to build. You don't build overnight. You build over a lifetime. You go for the long run. But a man who knows that it takes work to build also knows that while you're trying to build success, there's gonna be some obstacles. There's gonna be some challenges and some setbacks. And a man who works hard and an industrious man and a hardworking man doesn't give up at the first giant. Doesn't say, well, I never got that quote or I never got that tender, so I'm just pulling back. No, they keep working. And many of us know the brand Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Gyms, Virgin Airways. We, we know Virgin Finance, Virgin Mobile. But a lot of us don't know where that name comes from. What happened was Richard Branson, we know him as the billionaire as he is today, but he didn't start there. He came across a problem. And out of every problem, God provides a solution. And so one day he decided that he wanted to go over to the Virgin Islands and wanted to catch a flight there with some people that he wanted to spend the weekend with. And when he got to the airport and they were waiting for their flight, an announcement came on and said that the flight to Virgin Islands has been canceled. And so everybody started to turn their backs and move out. But Richard Branson picked up his phone and phoned another private airline and said, I'd like to charter a plane. And he looked around and he said to the people, before you go, 
I want to invite you to join me going to Virgin Islands. I've chartered a plane and we can all pitch in together and split the cost. And we can all go to the destination we were intending to. That's how Virgin was birthed. Out of every problem, there is an opportunity. And there is a solution that God has for our life. The second, next point I want to talk about today. I want to encourage us, men. Don't give up when you, when you find yourself with your back against the wall. Even though we face things in our life, whenever you're trying to build a life and you're trying to move forward, that the enemy comes or there's different things that are coming in. Don't allow the obstacles and the giants to slow you down. Can I tell you, we all face giants. We all face challenges. We all face limitations. But don't allow your limitation to limit what God can do. Don't allow your limitation to stop you from being all that God has called you to be. Use your limitation as an invitation for God to come into the situation. Can I tell you right now, there might be a giant or there might be an obstacle that's bigger than you, but it's not bigger than the God you serve. Poverty is a big thing in our nation. Crime is a big thing in our nation. Gender-based violence is, is, is a big thing in our nation. But I want to encourage us, men. It's not bigger than the God we serve. And if we would put our mind to it and we'd say, God, we need solutions. God, we need your mind. God, we need your wisdom. We need your understanding. I can tell you right now, God will deposit a solution in the minds of his men to bring about success to this nation. Mind of a kingsman. The mind of a kingsman, they are attentive. They're attentive to their surroundings. I love this part. The Bible says, as Boaz got to his field, he saw a woman in his field. And the first thing he said, who's that? Who's she? Where does she come from? And what is she doing? He didn't look over and say, you know what, I've got success today. Doesn't matter what's going on in my field. I've, I've got the car. I've got the clothes. I've got the house. The Bible says, Boaz... When he saw Ruth in the field, he, he inquired of who she is. What's she doing? Why is she in the field? Can I tell you, men, there's three things that all of us should know in this room. There's three things about the people in our life that we need to know. And I believe that if we're going to be successful, we need to know these three things. Three things that eliminate confusion when it comes to our relationships, to our marriages, to our finances, to our workplace. I call it the three W's. Number one, who? Who is that? Who is responsible? In a home, there's a lot of confusion that's eliminated and a lot of fighting when the who, everybody knows what their responsibility is. Who's responsible for this? Who's responsible for that? Oh, no, I thought you were, honey. Oh, no, no, I thought you were. No, no. Who's responsible? Who's responsible? My children know this. In the morning when the dishwasher hasn't been unpacked, it's not mom and dad's job. It's your job. You've got to know the who. You've got to know the what. What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? What are they supposed to be doing? And then you've got to know the when. When is it supposed to be done by? Because when you know those three W's, it eliminates a lot of confusion in your life. I want to encourage us, brothers. I want to encourage us, Boaz was engaged in his life. Man, we need, to be, we need to be engaged and attentive to the responsibilities entrusted to us. 
Can I tell you, I want to know. I've got two daughters, as I've told you. I want to know who's, who's on the phone with them. I want to know who's texting them all the time. Oh, man, she's 17 years old. She's 17 years old, but she's still my responsibility. She's 17 years old, yes, but she's still in my house. She's 17 years old. She's still my daughter. I want to know. If it's a boy, I want to know what's his name. Where do you meet him? Is he born again? Does he build the church of Jesus Christ? Does he have a vision for life? I'm not going to give something to somebody that I've invested time, money, love, and effort and just say, yeah, you go. Just take it and do whatever you want. That is the inheritance of God that doesn't come cheap. Plenty la bola. I spent money. I've trained her up in the ways of God. You're not just going to come into my field and just come with your nice car and your bling and, and show off and look how good on the outside. I want to know what's happening on the inside. I want to know what you've got. He's attentive. Can I say, man, know what's happening in your field. Know what's happening in your marriage. There's a few ladies in the house. Are there any ladies in the house? Wow. Ladies, you just missed an opportunity to say amen when I said, know what's happening in your marriage. Just because your wife is quiet doesn't mean everything is perfect. Know what's happening in your marriage. Know what's happening. My wife and I, we walk and we talk. And I say to her, is there anything I'm doing that's upsetting you? Is there anything I can do better to make our marriage work? I want to know, what are you feeling emotionally? Are you feeling insecure? Know what's happening in your field. God's giving you your field. Don't worry about another man's field. Cultivate your field. Look after your field. God's got your field. Be in charge of your field. When success comes, so does the enemy. Ezekiel God speaks to him and he says, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. As a man in this room, you're a watchman. The watchman would be men that when they built the city walls, in the walls of the city, they would have these towers that just protruded from the walls. And, and they would put watchmen in the, in the walls and the watchmen would look what was happening inside the city. They would watch everybody going about their everyday business, the, the commerce, the market, what was happening and how people were interacting. They, they, they would be watchmen making sure that there's peace and order within the city. But then there would also be watchmen that would look outside the city. And they would look outside the city and as they were looking outside the city, they would see who was coming towards the city. And when the enemy would come in and they would recognize an enemy, they would sound the ram's horn, the alarm. And everybody in the city would hear the alarm and it would be a signal to them that, hey guys, we've got an enemy coming, we've got to prepare for battle. Let's brace up, let's get ready. But their signal would also say to the enemy, we see you. We see you coming. Don't think you can come in with us and just think that we're unaware. We know you. You're coming here and we're ready for you and you're not taking this city because we are the watchmen. We are the watchmen of our nation. We are the watchmen of our businesses. We're the watchmen of our children and our family. They would rise up. God's calling you and I to be men, of, to be men that are standing God. Edmund Burke made a statement in the 1700s, which is one of the most 
quoted statements in modern society. And he said this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. I want to change that. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for God's people to do nothing. Because the world don't have the power, God's people have the power. That's why Peter writes and he says to us, be alert. Every man say alert. He said, be alert and sober minded. You've got to be sober minded because your enemy roams around. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. While you're not sober, you've opened your field. While you're not watching, the door's open. We're called to be watchmen. That while I'm here and I'm running the castle household, I see you, brother. I watch you. I watch. No, just little and fine. He's going to come in. Pastor Chris, don't care what car he drives. How many tenders his dad has won? Ooh. I want to know what's inside. I'm a watchman in Jesus' name. Can I encourage you? The next point is this. Is that it says that a mind of a kingsman places a high value on stewardship. You don't have to look outside your field. All the blessing you need is inside the things that God has already given you. You've got to just learn to cultivate. You've got to learn to steward. You've got to learn to multiply what God is. Make the best with, with what's in your hand. Don't dismile. Don't, can I say, don't despise the small beginnings. Just because you don't have what Pastor Chris has, doesn't mean God can't bless you. And just because you don't have what somebody else has, don't be envious or jealous. Say, no, God, you've given me this. I may not be able to preach, but I can work hard. I may not be able to sing, but I'm good on computer. I may not know a lot of people, but when I'm alone, I can come up with some incredible solutions. Use what, don't, don't covet what another man has. Steward what God, stewardship is, is the principle of the kingdom. That, that when you learn to steward the finances that God has given you, man, Steward the wife that she's given you and the work that you've given you. Then I just encourage you that when you learn to steward, what you do is you're opening up the door for blessing to come in. The Bible says that the three servants, that two of them were blessed and one was, was really rebuked by God. But the two that were blessed, what did they do? They, they didn't, the man with the two didn't go to the one with the five and say, you know what, Pastor Chris, I only have two campuses and you've got seven. It's unfair, Jesus. No, you know what they did? The two just went out. They just worked it. They just worked it. Just keep your head down. Trust in the Lord. Work it with all your heart. Keep a good spirit. And God will grow you. And God will bless you. And God will increase you. In Jesus' name. This is why David was so successful. David had already been anointed king, but his eyes were not on his kingship. His eyes were on what God had entrusted to him. And the Bible says, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war. Another scripture says, Dave, David faithfully led his troops into battle. And David continued to succeed in everything he did. For the Lord was with him. 
can I, can I say amen? It's not, it's not what you have in your hand. It's what you're doing with what you have. And if you could just take what you have and say, you know what, God, this is committed to you, Lord. God, I know that when it's in my hand and it's surrendered to you, Lord, you can do something amazing. God, I may only have two people in my home cell or my connect group, but God, I'm, I'm gonna pastor them and I'm gonna lead them and I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, disciple them, Lord, as if it was a church of thousands. Just take on the responsibility. Just be a good steward. The mind of a kingsman is one who has good stewardship. And the, the passage goes on and it says, because David was so good that all Israel and Judah loved him because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. My next point is this, the kingsman invests into the right people and empowers them. Who are you investing into? You know, we get taught so many times that we need to be investing into people. But can I say, can we take it a step further, forward and say, we need to be investing into the right people. This is a, this is a theme through scripture, Pastor Chris. Because we just think, oh, there's a group of people, we need to invest into them. The Bible teaches us, don't correct a fool because he'll, 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 he'll mock you. The Bible, the Bible teaches us that Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before the swines because they'll trample them. Uh, Paul writes to us and he says, bad company corrupts good, good morals. Who are you investing into? When, when Boaz saw Ruth, he said, you, we got to look after her. There's something about this woman. I know her history. I know how she's, she's taking care of people. Often in our life, I believe that every single one of us have potential in this room. You have more potential than what you realize. But God doesn't promote potential. He promotes faithfulness. And so often we're looking, oh, I've got a destiny. Hey, Pastor Chris, I, I've got a destiny. Pastor Chris, if you could, yeah, I could preach. You'd have me on the stage. No, no, no. God's not looking for your potential. He knows it because he already gave it to you. He's looking to see how faithful you are. Can you come on a Sunday morning and serve in any department that is needed? Yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Potential. Can I tell you one of the, just like help us, because we, we get so enamored by potential and destiny. But can I tell you what a potential really is? It's just something you haven't done yet. <laughs> it's just something that hasn't been achieved yet. God promotes faithfulness. Learn to invest into the right people. Who's in your life? And sometimes we've got to ask ourselves the question, who do we need to stop investing into? Who's taking the life out of us and never changing? Who's taking all the emotional energy out of us and is not producing godly fruit in us? We gotta, we gotta look at what we should stop investing into and start investing into the right people. When, when Boaz saw her, he, he invested into her. He, he, he saw her future. When Boaz saw Ruth's work ethic and her characteristics, he told the manager, he says, hey, listen, when you see that woman, I, I need you to look after her. I need you to provide for her. I need you to protect her. I don't want you to make it hard for her. I want you to empower her. I want you, I, I want you to make sure that she, she grows where she is. But you know what the key is, is that Ruth wasn't there for the gold. She was there for the work. And sometimes us men, when we get a little bit of success, woo, our eyes change. And our minds change. And then we see the one that worked with you all your life 
to help you build. You don't see her anymore. Well, listen, you, you got to remember what got you to where you are. You got to be faithful to what got you to where you are. While Ruth was working, all the other girls, they were twerking. Can I say, don't let, don't let the crazy mess you up. They were all dancing, but Ruth was working. She was building. I'm telling you, man, we're crazy sometimes. Some women just come and say, hey, man, you're, ooh, you're amazing. She walks in and smells good and she looks good. Hmm. We get a bit of success. Got a bit of money now. Got the wheels. And someone else walks in. And you start investing into something that's going to steal your legacy. I want to encourage us. Encourage us. Invest into the right people. The greatest thing that we can do as men. If you're married in the room, how many of you, how many of you married in the room? Let me raise your hands. Oh man, look at that. That's awesome. How many single men in the room that are not married? Single men, you're not married. All of the married men and say, brother, I wish I was you. No, no, don't. <laughs> but married men. Married men, this is what you need to know. The most, the most, the best gift that you could give your wife is to empower her. Is to empower her, to believe in her. I want to encourage you. The mind of a kingsman values integrity. They have godly character. God wants us to be men of character. Character that will keep us. Character that will protect us. That will protect the legacy that we're building. We may be gifted and we may be talented and we may be able to be skilled at what we do. But remember the gift and the talent that comes from God. It's God's gift to you. Our character is God's, our gift back to God. God looks for character. And He wants you and I, men are, kingsmen, are, are men of character. There's no legacy and, and empowering the next generation when, when, when we lose our character. I want to encourage us. Let's be men of integrity. The gift will open the door for you, but your character and your integrity will keep it open for you. We don't need any more superstars. We don't need any more heroes in our nation. We don't need the best, next best footballer and the next best pop singer and the next best idol. What we need is we need people of character. Men of character that will say, you know what, I'm going to stand my ground. When the battle's raging, I'm standing my ground. When life's not working out, I'm standing my ground in prayer. When life is going up against us and things are not like the way they should be and they're not lining up with the promises of God, I'm, I'm standing, yeah, even though He slay me, yet will I praise Him. Then I'm standing my ground. Men of character, men of integrity. Daniel was a man of integrity. Joseph, David, all men, of, men who had character. Daniel 1 says that Daniel was determined not to defile himself. Joseph's character wouldn't allow him to sleep with Potiphar's wife. Think about it. Joseph was a man like you and I. He had desires. He saw her. She was married to one of the wealthiest men in the land. She went for beauty treatments every second day. Her skin was beautiful. When she walked into the room, there was an aroma. She smelled good. 
She wore the heels. But his character, his character to God said, God, I shall not touch her. It was his character that protected him. It was his integrity that got him to be the second in charge. Job said, Lord, I will never look lustfully on another man, a woman. We have integrity. We've got to ask God to help us build our character. And we all, we're all on a journey with this. But the best thing that we can do, man, can I tell you, because we all look in the wrong places, do the wrong things at times. The worst thing that we can do is deny it. And say, oh, none of me. No, you lie. We're all the same. We all have challenges that come up. The best thing to do is just to say, God, you know what I did? Forgive me. And strengthen me not to do it again. In Jesus' name. What do we got to do? Before we get into difficult situations, we have to predetermine. You've got to predetermine what you're going to do before the situation arises. Joseph, every day, I predetermine. I'm, I'm not looking at her. I don't care what she smells like. I don't care if she wears those stilettos and fishnet stockings. I predetermine. I don't care if she's walking out like this. I predetermined. It's too late in the situation if you haven't predecided. It's too late. You got to predetermine. If you're in business and you get a tender and they say, We're going to give it to you, but we need some cold drink. Got to predetermine. You got to predetermine if you're at home night and you've got the screen all to yourself and the porn is knocking on the door. You got to predetermine. Come on, man, I'm just being real. Doesn't mean we have these challenges, there's something wrong with us. It tells us we're human and we need a God that can empower us so we can overcome. And so we, we got to ask God to help us. You got to predetermine. I got to predetermine. Joseph did the right thing, Daniel did the right thing. I want to encourage us, men, let's be men who just do the right thing. Let's just do the right thing. Do the right thing when it comes to marriage. Do the right thing when it comes to our family and our businesses and our walk with God. Just do the right thing. And allow God to work in us. A kingsman is focused on his purpose, not his popularity. He's focused on his purpose and not his popularity. It says in the book of Acts that David served the purposes of God in his generation. That David wasn't worried about what people thought about him or what people said about him. And God is calling us men to be men that are going to live with purpose. Purpose rather than focusing on, on people's opinions and popularity and the pleasures of this world. There's no legacy in empowering the next generation when all we're doing is we're living for the praise of people or we're living for pleasures. See, when you're living for popularity, this is what happens, that you put people ahead of principle. When you're living for pleasure, you, you only think about today. You please yourself at the expense of others and you go for the easy way out. You attract simple-minded people. But when you live for purpose, you make every day count. When you're living for purpose, you start to think consequentially. You start to think, man, if I make this decision now in the office with this person, what does it mean for my wife, my children, my children's children? What does it mean for my eternal inheritance? 
I start to think consequentially. The devil never shows you the end. He shows you the now. got to think, you think when you're thinking for purpose, you're thinking that, man, I'm going to make every day count. I'm going to think consequentially, and I'm going to think eternally. Something we don't talk about. But we've got to think eternally. What is this doing for my eternal inheritance? Am I building it or am I breaking it? I, I love what Lecrae says. He says, if you, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. Proverbs 29 says, it's dangerous to be concerned with what others think about you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. 1 Thessalonians says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. And our purpose, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motive of our hearts. My purpose tonight is not that you would think I'm nice. My purpose is assignment to deliver a message. Your purpose is greater. It's greater than what people could ever think about you. I want to encourage us men. Let's be men of purpose. Men that say today is the day the Lord has made. Can I tell you something? If God's made the day and God's in your day, anything can happen. Anything. If God has made the day, don't treat it as common. So, man, there's a day I'm, I've been placed here. I'm on assignment today. I'm not just waking up, having breakfast, going to work. No, I'm on assignment. I'm attentive to my field. Live with purpose. And then the last point is this, is that the kingsman, the mind of a kingsman, they help in the present while looking to the future. Boaz saw Ruth and he helped her in her time of trouble. But not only did he help her in the time of trouble, he knew he had no heir. He knew that there was no one else to carry on his legacy. And so when he married Ruth, she felt pregnant. He helped her in the moment, thinking about a future. I can tell you when I say what I'm gonna say now, you're gonna be so grateful for Boaz. Because the night Boaz slept with Ruth, something was born. And a man by the name of Obed was conceived. And Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David. And David is of the lineage of Jesus Christ. My friends, we have a God who's working all things for our good. And I declare to us tonight, and I implore us as men, let us have the mind of Christ. Let us have the mind of a kingsman in Jesus' name. God bless you. Come on, come on. You can do better than that. All the glory to Jesus. Wow, what a word, oh God. What a word, what a word. I don't know. Maybe you just have to raise your hand tonight. Oh, Jesus. The mind of a king's man. Why don't you take a moment and just speak to your daddy? Tonight, I don't know, 
what is it that the Lord is saying to you tonight? But tonight, I just want to say to, to the Lord, Lord, I just want to be a king's man. I just want to have that mind of a king's man. I will, I will guard my, my field. I will look around in my field. Oh, Jesus. Come on, begin to, to speak to your daddy tonight. Begin to speak to your daddy tonight. Begin to speak to your daddy tonight. Father, here we come tonight. Here we come. Here we come this evening. Oh, the Lord is right here in our midst, Mr. Lord. I will serve no foe. Oh, oh. 